Hebrews chapter 13. Um, I think from just looking at the, the things that we've studied over the course of this quarter, and now as we are introduced to this particular chapter, I think we see a kind of a little bit of a pendulum swing, a little bit of a difference. And we, we think about Father, uh, we think about the, the, the further we've, got, we've come through this, uh, I see now as we kind of wrap this up, and I think we see, a, you know, as he brings, he brings these exhortations, so to speak, uh, to these brethren to a close, um, he kind of goes in a different, little bit of a different direction here for the first five or six verses. Um, I want us to think about this this morning as we think about this exhortation to love, hospitality, honor, and contentment. Hebrew writer in this, and he concludes his letter. This is a major focus, it seems, to be on their spiritual growth and the maturity in the Lord. We think about these last few chapters, this, the recent ones, especially chapter 11, chapter 12. We think about, uh, you know, that we've seen this character of faith and what it means to live by faith. And I think now we see in this chapter, He's, it's going to be about describing the genuine work of faith and, uh, you know, issuing in itself love. So we look here at verse 1. He says, let love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by this some have, entangled, have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them and those who are ill-treated, since you yourselves are also in the body. Marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed to be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I forsake you. So that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. I'm going to stop there. Go back up here in verse 1. I'm going to try to just dissect a little bit of, of, of these of, of the things that we see here. When we recognize here, he says, let the love of the brethren continue. Think that, you know, here again, he's going to reassure their confidence, their confidence in Christ, reminding them that, uh, of Scripture that's going to be familiar to them. Uh, he's already encouraged them. Think back to chapter 10. Think about to exhort one another daily while it's called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews 3, verse 13. Hebrews 10, consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Hebrews 10, verse 24. He's now, I think, it's starting to reinforce this attitude or instructing them to continue. And here he says, and he starts out with brotherly love. Think about Jesus' ministry. When he was on this earth, what was one of the things that he said that we would know his people? Remember? What did he say? Love. That's right. 
They would be known if you have love for one another. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. And I think what he tells them here is this, let love of the brethren continue. I think this group of, of, of recipients that he writes to here, I believe are those that did, did love and had love for one another. He said, and coupled along with this attitude of brotherly love, as he, we see here in verse 2, is do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. This hospitality extends to those, even as we see here, who are in prison. And what's he say? I think it's interesting that he says, remember the prisoners as though in prison with them. You ever thought about that? You ever think about somebody who's in prison and ever sit and think about what it's like for them to be there and kind of put yourself in that place? I think that's, it's, it's, it's somewhat humbling. I think it should make us think about those individuals, I think, and, and it would give us even pause to think that here's individuals who are, you know, out of sight, maybe out of mind. We don't see them. They're in prison. They're in jail. And yet, he says, think of those individuals. Think about those individuals as though you're one of them, as you're with them. Those who are ill-treated, since you yourselves are also in the body. And I think, you know, we, we could think about that last part of even though yourselves are in the body. You know, one of the things we think about is, and I, I think you could see that maybe a couple different ways. They're alive. They're still here. They're still able. You know, we, we saw in, in chapter 12 some of the things that those brethren, you know, could endure and undergo as far as treatment, persecution. Um, and I think, you know, again, just in the fact that here we see that this, with this hospitality and with what he's telling them here, that it's, a, it's an important factor. It's something that they need to realize, that they need to embrace, that they need to be involved in. I think what also is interesting in these few, in these few verses here is that, and, and even down through verse 7, verse 1, there's kind of a Greek thing that's going on here. Um, think of verse 1, he says, he tell, he's talking to them about brotherly love. He's talking to them about Philly, Philadelphia. Verse 2, he's talking about, uh, he's talking about Philly Xenia. Xenia. We think about that word, we think about a friend to a stranger. Verse 2. Down in verse 7, we've got, again, as we look at this, we see, uh, and, and, I, and I apologize for that. Um, the, I, have, I have another thought to bring out with regard to that. But in verse 5 is where I want to go with that. This is kind of, a, uh, of an aphelia gira, which is uh, don't have love for money. Um, and I think when he, when he looks at these things and he's telling them these things, verse 1, verse, verse, actually verse 3, he says, remember. Some of you uh, may have a different version that might say, don't neglect. When you think about that word neglect, you think about remember, 
don't neglect. Then he says uh, again, uh, verse 2, don't neglect to show. Do not. And he says, remember. Verse 7, he says, remember. And I think what he's saying is these are things that are something that can challenge our minds. Something that uh, when we think about, when we, you know, some people, you think about stranger, you think danger. So they don't want to have involvement with strangers. They don't want to, uh, you know, they want to keep those, those individuals kind of at bay. But what I think this writer brings out that this hospitality needs to extend to those individuals who are, you know, and, and again, as we, as we think about that, those who are friends, those who are in, in, individuals who are foreign that we don't know. Um, and, he, and I think this is why he brings this out. He says, don't have this attribute in, in to, for the love of money. Now, when you think about the book of Hebrews, you think about what we've studied and what we've gone over. What is it that would, what do you, what do you see, what is striking to you when you look at what he's writing about right now? Why would these things, of all the things he could write about, why would he write about these things? You know, obviously I don't know his mind, but I think there's some things I think we can draw from this when we think about, he writes about brotherly love. He writes about hospitality. He talks to them, exhorts them to remember these things. Remember prisoners. Remember those that are ill-treated. As you're thinking about that, I'm going to turn back to Hebrews chapter 10. And I think to me, this is where some of this kind of makes sense to me when I think about the things that he brings out in these particular these particular. Situa this, this situation in his writing here. If we go back to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32, what's he say to, to these Christians? Remember the former days when after being enlightened, after being enlightened, some versions say illuminated. And what were they illuminated from? What were they, what were they illuminated with? The gospel, right? The gospel, they, became, they were Christians. And he says, you were enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by, you know, and he said, by being made public spectacle through reproaches, through tribulations, partly by becoming sharers of those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizures of your property knowing that you have for yourselves, and what's that last part of verse, as we see here in verse 34, a better possession and a lasting one. That's the first thing I thought about when he's talking to them here in chapter 13. And he opens this exhortation. He opens up this, this particular chapter. He opens this up and he talks to them about it. You know, back when they were new Christians, they were on fire. They had a zeal. Nothing was in their way. God's going to take care of us. Everything about that. But I think, again, some, from the things that we're seeing, you look at the faith chapter as he tells, and we see the, the individuals that he's depicted with regard to their faith and those who had the faith that they did to, to, to emulate that, to, to master that, be like that. 
And I think here as he opens this up, and he said, I think he's, he's really bringing that, he's really bringing this home to them. You know, he's saying, don't be afraid of, of these things. Don't be afraid of strangers. For the love, for the love of them to be, and as, as if they were undergoing these same afflictions, if they were in prison or dealing with these individuals, he encourages them, I, th I think as well here, to be content. You know, you think about persecution. What happens many times when you think about even in your own life? I want you to think about this for a minute. Your own life, you're in a situation where you're dealing with struggles and challenges. You're dealing with things that are really intensifying. They're intense, and they're really bringing the walls in. What do we have a tendency sometimes to do when those kind of things happen? What do we forget about? I'm looking for something else. That's right, Leanne. I'm looking for something else sometimes that we can do. Aren't we sometimes, doesn't it become about me? Doesn't it become about what's happening to me? And we think about, in, that, in light of that, we think about, do we think about a stranger? Do we think about others? Do we think about where we are? That's very difficult, I think. And I think when we think about this, our lives, and the, the pressures that can come in to us, I think this writer says to them, you're under some of these struggles, these persecutions. You have a tendency to want to go back to what you are comfortable with. You could, could go back to those things that, that meant a lot to you, that you were, you were ingrained in this. But he's saying, don't do that. Think about what you've got that's actually this, that's out here in front of you, that you, can, that you have given your life to embrace that. Embrace this. Mitch? I, I think it's the idea of closing your heart right? You, you endure that persecution and that has a tendency to make you want to shut things down because it's gotten difficult and you want to go into protection mode. So you become like that turtle and you, you pull in, right? Which means you close your heart, which means you, you shut down those opportunities to help the stranger. You shut down those opportunities to help others. You shut down those opportunities to engage with others in any other way because there might be some danger there, some additional danger there, and you're too threatened. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, I think, to me, this is, this is what I think he's, he's bringing out here. Good, very good. Anything else? Any comments? Yes, Debbie. Debbie over here, David. I also look at this passage as a way that they needed to, to their behavior that they needed to put on. They... They wanted to go back, but he wanted to encourage them to put on these characteristics, this behavior, and by doing so, they will become the light that they need to be to those around them. And we have that same application today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very good. Anything else? John? Because he's talking about there in verse 3, remember the prisoners, as, as you pointed out back in chapter 10, 34, said they had shown 
uh, sympathy to the prisoners, but it seems that over time, maybe their fervor and their care and compassion for one another kind of, you know, drained away a little bit, grown a little cooler, and they're not paying attention like, as they had at one time. Yeah. And so I think about ourselves right here today. You know, we have brethren right here that have long-term illnesses and other kinds of needs that's going to go on for a long, long time. And Sometimes at first we're really good about caring for them and writing to them and visiting them, and then over time it kind of fades away, and we need to not let that happen. Very good point. Anything else? So, you know, again, as we look at this and some of the things that I've listed here, you know, again, the contentment versus covetousness. You know, think about them coming out of Judaism. Think about some of the pressure they may be dealing with right now with some of their, I'm going to say colleagues, their cohorts, their individuals who are also still in Judaism that didn't come out, that, that aren't Christians. Think about some of the hardships. Think about some of the things that they're enduring from, from those individuals. You know, maybe now as a Christian, they have a business, uh, a business now that people aren't uh, patronizing that business because they're a Christian. You know, and so they look at others maybe and see that, you know, they've got they, they're, they're well-to-do. They, they're making, you know, things are, are, are good and they're prosperous, but things may be challenging for them. And so, you know, it may have a tendency when we think about that, you know, they've got, they've got funds, you know, where before they're willing to give those up. They're willing to sell their possessions. And again, I think as John talks about, maybe over time that started to dwindle now, maybe they're starting to hoard some of that. They're starting to grab a hold of it and say, oh, you know, I, I'm not going to let go of that. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna release that. I'm. I'm gonna. And, he, and he, I think again, getting back to you know Mitch talking about the heart, you know, and and Debbie, as she, you know, as, as we think about these individuals and how there to be a light and encouragement, that's one of the things that they're gonna have to overcome. They're gonna have to realize that with regard to you know th these various things, they're going to have to realize that through Jesus, that's how they're going to be a different individual. And I think that's the, the whole point of this when we think about this hospitality, love, and honor, contentment. You know, the last thing that he says here in verse 7, you know, remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and consider the results of their, the results of their conduct. Imitate their faith. You know, as, as, as he thinks about those in the past, you know, those who have led them in the past. You know, I, I think what we're going to see here in this particular chapter there's, uh, he, he writes and, and talks about those who rule over you. He'll, he'll talk about that. You know, whether this is actually talking about the, the elders right here, um, like he talks about in uh, verse 17, verse 24. Uh, this could have been even men or elders, those individuals who, you know, early in their Christian lives might have been those that helped them, encouraged them. And he says to them, imitate them, imitate their faith. Be as they are. Uh, when we think about that word imitate, you know, we're, we're trying to be just like it. Um, and again, just in, in looking at this, I've tried to bring this out as, as we've looked throughout this study. Um, I've tried to bring out different things that we see. Uh, verse 5 talks about, you know, in Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, and Joshua 1, verse 5. Psalms 27, verse 1, and Psalm 118, verse 6, and verse 6, you know, the Lord is my helper. I'll not be afraid. What will man do to me? You know, and we, th we think about 
that vision, thinking about God and thinking about what he can do for me, how can man, you know, we think about Joshua, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. You know, and, you know, he was one that we can see and portrayed that through his leadership, you know, that what will man do, you know, what will man do to me? What will, there's nothing, nothing that can come about. He might even, we might be in a situation to where we might even be in prison. You know, what would be maybe a hesitancy to go, at that, you know, say at this time, maybe to go visit somebody in prison? They see you there, and they're like, why are you visiting that? Why are you visiting that person? Maybe you need to be in here with them. So maybe there hesitance, there's some hesitancy there to want to go visit somebody in prison. We think about that, you know, that as well. Marriage to be held in honor. You know, when we think about as, as he continues these things, and, you know, what I want to touch about with regard to that, that I thought that came out to me before I move on to this next section, you know, when you, when you think about where he's at with this particular, this study and this chapter and his exhortations to, to these Christians, he says to them, marriage is to be held in honor among all. Marriage bed is to be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. You know, as I've studied this verse even through the years, there was still something that jumped out to me today this, during this study that I wanted to bring to you today. And that is, you know, marriage is held in honor and all. The, bed, the marriage bed is undefiled. When we think about that, we think about the sexual relationship between a husband and a wife. And what does he say here that to me in such a small little section right here. But what does he say about that? That that union and that sexual relationship is honorable. That should happen between a husband and a wife in marriage. Marriage bed. But what's he say? The conclusion of that. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. So he says here, if you're involved in anything before marriage, fornication, and anything after you're married, adultery, you're going to be judged. And he says, and he sums all that up, I believe, in just in, in one verse, in, in just that little statement that the marriage bed is, that's incredible. That should be exactly how it is. But before that, no marriage, and you're involved in, 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 in sexual relations, or afterwards, and you're involved in that, God's going to judge you for that. It's sin. So as we move on here, as we, as, and as, as, as we continue, it says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Verse 8. Don't be carried away by various strange teachings, for it's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, through, those, through which those who were so occupied were not benefited. We have an altar from which those who serve tabernacles have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest is an offering for sin, are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. So let's go to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we do not have a lasting city, but we're seeking the city which is to come. 
I think now in this section, he kind of changes his thought process in the way that, you know, his, his exhortation changes, I believe, here, where he kind of goes back to them, as we see here uh, in verse 8. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, he, he, we hear that and we see that as, it, as he brings that out throughout this book, that now you have a Jesus who's not going to change, who's, un, who's unchangeable. And we see that from, from that standpoint, I think that what he continues to try to drive home to them is the fact as we look through these next few verses, we see that uh, he says, don't be carried away by strange teachings. For, you know, we think, we, as, as, as we think about uh, even Hebrews 4, we think about, you know, at one point in time, we might have been carried away to and fro. Now we need to think about, we need to lock in and realize and embrace these, the teaching of Jesus Christ. For it's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods. You know, through which those who were so occupied were not benefited. You know, when we look back and we see, you know, this, and, and I think what he's saying to them, this was all part of Judaism. This was all part of what they followed and what they practiced and the things that the priests did. And we think about those processes. And he's saying to these, I think here in, in these few verses, he says to them, you know, don't be led astray by this. Don't be carried away by this. Because what you had here, there was no benefit in this. Again, thinking about Jesus and the things that he offers them, the things that, were, that, that they were able to see. Under the old law on the day of atonement, the high priest could not partake of the sacrifice after the sin offering was made, Leviticus 16. These sacrifices had to be taken outside the camp. Think about the animals. How were they disposed of? Where were they taken? Outside the camp. All of that was taken outside the camp. And, and what we see with that is these sacrifices were taken outside the camp. We see this, I think, this, this comparison that I think that he makes here with regard to Jesus also being taken outside the camp. He was taken outside the gate of Jerusalem and crucified. And he says to them here, I think one of the things that we see that, that I think brings this home to me is that uh, we have an altar we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacles have no right to eat. So if you're wanting to go back to Judaism, if you want to go back to that, that, that first covenant, that covenant that you're under now, which is that second covenant that he has brought to, that, and that promise that he has brought here, then you are going to be in a situation to where you have no right to eat of this, of this tabernacle or the, of this altar that we do. This altar that Jesus brings to us, you know, these, the bodies of those animals and blood is brought to the holy place by the high priest as a sin offering and they're burnt outside. Verse 12, therefore Jesus, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. And I think what he brings out to us here in verse 13 and 14 is what he's telling them, you need to embrace this. Let's go to him outside the camp. If you're going to stay inside and you're going to be a part of the things with regard to the tabernacle, the temple, and those things where those, these sacrifices were made, then it's of no value to you. 
But if you look at what Jesus has done, look at where Jesus went and where he died, where he was taken. He wasn't inside the gates. He was outside. And it says, let us go to him outside the camp bearing his reproach. If we're going to be like Jesus, then there's going to be times. You remember it was we, we, went, we went back to, to chapter 10 and verse 32, 34. And we, we saw where they dealt with reproach. They dealt with those things. They were suffering. They were dealing with individuals who were putting them down, that were ridiculing them. And, and, again, and again, I think, as, as, as John brought out, maybe that's, that, that firm grasp that they had initially is maybe starting to let go a little bit. They're not in, as in, involved, and they're thinking about their walk and where they are with this, and there's some things that from a safety standpoint and from looking back and self-preservation maybe, they're saying, you know, I'm, it, we didn't have these kind of problems when we, followed, when, we were in, when we were in Judaism, when we followed these things. But now that we're a Christian, boy, it's coming in on us. It, this is some things that we're really dealing with that, that, we're, that we're not used to, that we don't like. You know, and again, I think again, he strengthens them with this. This is the last time, this, this, this exhortation, this letter, and this, this chapter that we see, I think he brings it. For he says here in verse 14, for we do not have a lasting city. Think about the city of Jerusalem. Think about the destruction of Jerusalem. If you're inside, what's going to happen? It's destruction. But if you're outside, think about outside. But we're seeking the city which is to come. The city which is to come. Think about that new Jerusalem. Think about that, as we talked about in chapter 12, think about that new, that Mount Zion. That's that mountain that they were afraid to go to because of all the sounds, the thunder, the lightning. No, not that one. We're talking about this new Zion. We're talking about that one that Christ is, is now sitting at the right hand of God, sitting at the throne of God, and because of these things. He says to them, go with him outside the camp. Go with him. Take up, on, take up his reproach. Take up those things. When we think about here this morning, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. What are we thinking about? What do we do when we memorialize our Lord in this, in, in this sacrifice and in this memorial? Are we taking up? Are we literally taking on the things that go with Jesus? Or do we pick and choose those things? Now, I, I, I'm not going to deal with that, but, I'll, but I can do that. See, if we're going to be a Christian, we take on the whole package deal. We take on the whole thing. It's not just about things that we can pick and choose from. Go outside the camp, and he says, what? To bear his reproach. Jesus was, was, was taken down. I mean, he was despitefully rejected. So I think, you know, as we, as we get through this, this, this section, and then we start the, the process here to, to wrap up this this letter to wrap up this. You know, one of the things I think that's, that I think he brings out here as we look at these sacrifices in verse 15 and 16, um, says through, he says, through him then let us continually offer, offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of, that is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. How can we do that? So think about, he says the fruit of it. You know, we can, we, can, we can sing songs here in a little bit, and that's going to do that. But how about your home, your family, your workplace, 
Can we use our, can we be a, can we utilize fruit of the lips when we talk about our neighborhoods? Or again, do we look back and say, you know, stranger, danger? We look back and say, you know, I, hmm, they don't, this guy's, he's hostile, you know, that my neighbor, he's, he didn't want any, he didn't want any part of Jesus. When you think about the things, again, that we don't want to be afraid of, the things that we need to do continually, and that's what he says to them, continually offer and up, offer up sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of the lips, give thanks to his name, do not neglect doing good and sharing for such as a sac- sacrifice God is pleased. We think about praise, doing good and sharing, verses 15 and 16. Think about praise. We think about doing good. These are things that, what does it say in the last part of verse 16? With such sacrifices, God's pleased. Doing good. How's that a sacrifice? Is that a sacrifice? Your time? Your money? What else could that be a sacrifice? Sorry? Your will? Okay. How about sharing? Is that a sacrifice for you? Is that a sacrifice for me to share? Or are we like little ones sometimes? I'm not going to share my toys. I'm not going to share my money. I'm not, I'm, I'm greedy. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to help you when I see that you, you have a need. Or I have something that really you could benefit more than I could, so I'm going to let you have it. You don't expect anything in return. You just, you think about some of those things and God looks and sees those things that we do in our lives and he's pleased with that. Yes, Jeremy. As I read through this, I was thinking about how um, it mentions acknowledging his name. And don't neglect to do good and to share what you have. It made me think of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, as we are to go through our lives praising God and letting God show through how we live. And not only teaching by example, but also teaching with our lips. And sometimes, I know for myself, I will neglect I will let opportunities slip when I could have taken the opportunity to reach out to someone and ask them if they know about Jesus and ask them if they know uh, the gift that he's given. And I think that's what this is talking about, about sharing Christ with all those around us and being willing to make whatever sacrifices may come of either how those people treat us, how those people react to us, or the other things that could occur. Um, I mean, in this country, we're very blessed that we can speak openly. It doesn't mean we won't be spoken against when we do so. But in other parts of the world, it's not the case. And there is true sacrifice. There is a risk in simply naming Jesus' name. So that's, that's what I thought about when I read through this. Absolutely. Very good. Anything else? He says in verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable to you. Pray for us, 
for we are sure that we have come to good conscience, desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. And I urge you, I, I urge you all that all the more you do this so that I may be restored to you sooner. You know, again, looking at verse 17, he talks about, you know, I believe he's talking about the elders here. You know, obey, the, obey your leaders, submit to them. They keep watch over your souls. You know, and, you know, let them do this with joy and not with grief. You know, it's, when I, when I think about even the period of time, you know, that, that I've been in the eldership, I think about uh, this congregation. I think about other congregations that I've attended, and I don't know what those elders dealt with, but, you know, it's a joy to have Christians like you are, to have the opportunity to, to serve you and be a part of that. And, and I think that uh, my cohorts would say the same thing. But I've heard of congregations where there are, it's like maybe herding cats. Maybe it's, it's very difficult to, to lead. It's very difficult for individuals to want to follow. Um, and again, uh, this is something I think it's important for us to understand as well. Um, when he talks about here, pray for us that we have a good conscience. Pray for us for we are sure that we have a good conscience desiring to conduct honorable in all things. And, to, and he says, all the more do this that I may be restored to you sooner. You know, again, I, I, I lean toward this being Paul in this, in this study. Uh, again, he, his name's not brought out. We don't know that for sure. The last basically uh, five verses that we have here is his, so to speak, I think benediction, his salutation that he leaves them with. God, a peace brought up from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant. You know, think about that. When you think about brought up from the, the dead of the great shepherd, God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus. When Jesus went to the cross, he was the lamb. When he died, he was buried and he was resurrected. He became the shepherd. Isn't that interesting when you think about that, 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 that whole picture? Equip you in every good thing to do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. But I urge you, brethren, bear with this word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. It's taken us three months. I'm going to say, what, 97 days, counting today, to go through the study. He says, I've written to you briefly. This is, you know, again, thinking about a sermon that he's brought out. You know, if you read the book, and I've done it, I think in this study, I think I've read it five or six times, the whole book through. Just sit down and I just read it, and I just try to glean from that. It took me like 45 minutes to read the whole book. Just thought that was interesting when he says he's written to them briefly and, and, and what he's brought out and the impact, I think, that he's trying to, to present to them, that he wants them to embrace Take notice that our brother Timothy's been released. You know, I, I think it looks like he's been released. He may have been in prison. With whom, if he comes soon, I will see you. He's hoping that the two of them come back, that they can see them. Greet you, greet all of your leaders, all of your saints. Those from Italy greet you. Grace be with you all. This has been a good study for me. I hope it has been for you. And uh, I'm grateful for your comments. I'm grateful for the opportunity to have been able to present this class. Uh, thank you again for that, and uh, look forward to uh, Bill in his, uh, as he brings us uh, the new class here in the upcoming quarter.